What is up, guys, and welcome to the Meeple Minded Podcast, the podcast where we talk all things tabletop gaming. My name is Jace. And I'm James. How are you doing this week, James? Tired. You look it. Thank you. <laughs> what a compliment. It's the best compliment you've ever got from me, to be fair. Uh, to be, yeah, it's probably fair. <laughs> Why are you so tired? Is it work still? It is work. Oh, let's, let's, just, let's not talk about work then. We don't want to talk about work anymore. No, it's, we don't. It's, it's, it's never good just always talking about work. Started to cool down quite considerably here in the UK, mm. which is, is lovely, but uh, still finding requirement to have a nice big pint of ice cold water as we have this discussion. You haven't really been playing many games as we... Uh, yesterday at game club was a bit of a a bit of a busy one like even we didn't have a table it was, no. it was rammed yeah it was a really good uh really good turnout yeah i can't complain about it at all other than the fact that i didn't get to game and that was most displeasing to me but we are going to be gaming tomorrow at tomorrow's game club because you know wednesday night game clubs for us is that's our night that's our night you yeah. know we're, we're not as tied up with running stuff at that one so we get to game on a wednesday which is always good fun but talking of gaming james we have been playing a certain game quite a bit recently haven't we, we? have indeed uh this game has recently won a spiel to yar award as well ever since i bought this game which is it's it's interesting the spiel to yar awards just seem to be for all sorts of different games at the moment to be honest and i would normally have said this game was a bit too lightweight to be getting that kind of award however we're going to have a discussion about the game and we'll see whether it was actually worthy of winning an award at all do you remember what we're talking about james is it living forest it is indeed living forest <laughs> we've been playing a couple of games quite a lot recently so it could have been could have been a different one but uh yeah we are talking about living forest i've been looking forward to talking about this one for quite some time if i'm completely honest with you what do you think yes no good game bad game you'll have to find out won't you <laughs> he's learning he's learning should we just dive straight in then and start our conversation let's do it let's do it Living Forest. Well, what is Living Forest? Well, Living Forest is a family-friendly yet competitive push-your-luck deck-building and tile placement game released by Ludonaut in 2021. It is for two to four players age 10 and up, has a playtime of around 40 minutes, and at the time of recording, you may purchase this game for around £25. In Living Forest, players take on the role of a nature spirit, tasked to save the forest from the ever-growing flames of Onibi, to To do this, you and a multitude of animal guardians must come together at the Circle of Spirits and combine all of your spiritual powers to complete one of three objectives to trigger the end of the game. It's a very, very quick rundown of what the objective of the game is, James. But what comes in the box when you buy Living Forest? Okay, Jason. In the box, you get uh, a starter deck for each of the four spirits, 23 level 1 guardian animal cards, 16 level 2 guardian animal cards, 12 level level 3 guardian animal cards, 4 spirit of nature standees, 39 protective tree tiles, 1 guardian animal board, 4 starting protective tree tiles, 12 victory tiles, 3 per spirit, 4 individual forest boards, 1 circle of spirits central board, 23 fire cards, 1 fire board, 1 scarred tree standee, 20 fragment tiles, 58 fire tiles, and 
two standees to keep all the trees in. Nice. Very, very nice indeed. So that actually sounds like a fair bit. Yeah, it's a fair uh, bit in there. that. So um, let's talk about the components. But before we dive into the actual components themselves, I want to start by saying just outright, this game is stunning. It is so, so beautiful and captivating with the with the art styling that it's got within the game. And to be honest, with me, I've always had a bit of a thing with like the beauty that nature has in, in real life. And this, to me, encompasses that within the game. While it's not, I guess, photographic imagery, it is a fictionalized world you know we're, we're with all of the spirits and stuff within the animals that are pictured in the game as well you know they're sort of like neon animals aren't they really yeah it's very um it's not cartoony but no. it's that, almost that kind of bridge between cartoony slash anime yeah. animal styling yeah. um because they are spirits rather than just animals yeah but yeah the artwork is beautiful oh, the components are all pretty good i think i mean i do like those uh standees to keep all the tree tiles in, yeah. for example. That's a really nice little organiser. Yeah, and it, I mean, to talk about that, obviously, but um, and sort of segue onto the actual box itself, because I was going to bring up about those tile holders. There's two of them within the game, and they hold them really, really well. They look great on the table, visually, but also they are, act as a storage solution, so they literally fit perfectly inside a certain section of the box, mm. which is great. The other section of, of the box, I mean, I, I reckon if that had been divided into two, it would have been better because at least then the cards and the tokens wouldn't be able to move about as much. But that's a minor little niggle. Mm. The storage is fine. It works fine. The little standees, I love them. The visual imagery of those as well is really, really cool. Yeah, It could be argued that like four nice miniatures would have gone really well in the game. I think for me, I actually prefer it with the standees. I think I do because... One thing I will say about this game is value for money. For £25, and we'll get on to all the gameplay stuff in a minute, but for £25, this game is a steal. And as much as miniatures would have looked nice, that would push the price oh, up. Oh, it would, yeah. It would have rocketed the price up. Um, So, yeah, I, I think miniatures would actually detract from, from the game itself, if I'm completely honest. And, yeah, like you said, it would have raised the price of the game, which we haven't even got to the gameplay yet. And I'm, I'm going to say this game's worth more than what you pay for it, oh, with, yeah. without a doubt. I'd say it's worth more than the RRP, which I think is about 30 to 35 pounds, something like that. Component wise, really, really fantastic. All the cards feel good. They're nice linen finish on them. The art styling is good. Everything punch board wise is very, very good. The artwork is fantastic. This has been played so much recently and yet art is sticking onto it perfectly. No problem at all. Components wise, is there anything else you want to chuck into the mix here? Or um, uh, I think we've covered it all. I mean, it's just all fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> I, there's not a bad thing I can say about it. Yep. If I'm completely honest, other than that tiny little niggle, but that's that's me. Yeah, that's you that's, know that's a very very minor niggle. So yeah, let's move on to that gameplay, James. How do you feel about it? I think for a game that's got several different mechanics going on at once, it's got just enough sprinkling of those mechanics to work really well. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. I mean, I, I've written a few things down, a few notes for myself, as I always do. You know, gameplay for me is great. To be completely honest, the game has. In fact, the game is more fun than it has any right to be. Yeah, that, that's the <laughs> that's the 
basic sum up that we've said every time we've played this. Yeah. And it's surprisingly simple. Well, I mean, it's I got several what could be deemed as advanced mechanics. mechanics yeah, that, that's the word. That's the word I was grasping for, yeah. advanced mechanics. And it is so simple. I mean, I it's really hard for me to sort of say that I, I can't think of a single person that wouldn't be able to play this. Like, I think my son of eight, well, he's now nine, you know, by the time this comes out, he'll be able to play this. No problem. Like, genuinely, this is a great all-round game. It's a nice gateway game. It's a good family game. It's a good competitive game. It's not too long. It's, you know, it fits nicely into the higher end of a filler game, but also fits nicely into the lower end of a, you know, an all-night game. If you just want an easier night, it's perfect. Yep. And there's been many a time, to be honest, that people have asked to play this, and I've been more than happy to oblige. When it comes to experienced gamers, it is competitive. Yeah, it can be. It can be indeed, because the game does have an element of player interaction in this as well, so that really adds that competitiveness. So I mentioned at the start, the, this game has a few different types of game mechanic within it. It's got push your luck. It's got deck building. It's got tile placement. How does that all come together? Do you, do you think that it sort of meshes really well? I, I do. Um, and I think it would have been very easy for this game to be horrible, mm. basically. You yeah. know, one wrong step and all those mechanics wouldn't gel together. Yeah. But they do. Yeah. <laughs> and because of the three ways of winning as well, that's another reason that they work, that they gel together so for context whenever i've been teaching this game the first thing i always say is remember rule of 12 and the reason i say that is because if there's 12 of something on the board at that time the likelihood is there is a yeah there's a potential that that is a game ending condition so we'll go through those very quickly the first one is to have 12 fire tokens 12 individual fire tokens where you've put out fires you've got 12 unique trees that you've built in your personal forest and then the final one is to have 12 lotus flowers displayed at any one time now have you you know in all the games we've played have you actually tried the different ways to win I think the only one I haven't gone for is the Lotus Flower. Mm. Uh, and yeah, for context as well, when we keep saying it is generally fire is the easiest objective, mm -hmm. but it's also the easiest to block. Correct. Yeah. Trees is probably the middle ground. Yeah. And I would say it's probably the least player interaction based one because you are literally just, you know, if you are buying anything from the deck building side of things, you're essentially buying in order to get saplings. There is. And then I mean, you're just buying the trees individually. But you say that. I if you watch, you, there aren't four of each tree because this is max four player game. So it is effectively possible. I'm going to coin a term here. I know it's not technically this, but it is possible to hate draft someone to stop getting that. Mm. If you notice one of those trees that they haven't got is low, I you mean, can. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, you you've can got, prevent you've got a to victory. Have 12 of them. I, I believe there's 12 of them that can be purchased. Uh, but obviously, at the start of the game, you actually start with two. Yeah, already on your board. So you actually only need 10 of those uh, unique trees. So yeah, it is possible, I guess. Yeah. But I what would, I mean I, is... I would argue it's very difficult it's, in that sense. It's easier to do in a full player count because mm. like I said, the trees that are on the rack, there aren't four of all of them. No, no, exactly. And the higher costed ones are quite difficult to get. So you can... If someone is... Uh, if they of, start disappearing really early on, like if people are buying those big costed ones straight away, you are going to struggle yeah. with, with the tree side of but things. But if you notice... If someone's at sort of nine or ten trees, mm. 
and that they haven't got a certain one and there's only one left. Yeah, that's fair. So you can it is potential to block it, but it is the middle I'd say it's the middle ground of the victories and then the lotus flowers is the hardest. I would definitely say it's the hardest, but it also has the uh I would say knock-on effect rather than advantage because to do the lotus flower the easiest way is by buying cards that have the lotus flower on them to add to your deck. But by doing that, this is where this game really excels in my mind. When you buy cards from that central display yes they come to you and they go onto the top of your deck so that you know that that's the next card you're going to draw as soon as that card is removed a new fire token is placed in its place and then at the end of the round all of the fire that has been generated from that pool of cards that has been purchased then goes into the forest ready for the next round which means you are adversely assisting anyone who is actually going for the fire objective yeah because you're actually giving them fuel to you know and and fueling the fire you know pun definitely intended yep you know and that whoever is going for the fire tokens is then he's got more tokens that he can now try and put out quicker yeah so there's there's a real balancing act there isn't there always a knock-on effect with buying the cards it's like yes you're fueling the fire the more cards you buy the more fire goes in yeah and the more expensive the cards are the more hard the harder that fire is to put out which if you're deliberately trying to make it hard for the person who is going for a fire token that's fine but there is also the adverse effect of if all the players don't i guess it's got a bit of a semi-co-op aspect to it because if every player doesn't put all the fire out and there's still fire at the end of the round the players then have to have enough water showing on the cards that they've played yeah to stop them from essentially getting burnt yeah or they get a fire card which is effectively a dead card which segues us nicely on to shall we talk about push your luck aspect we should indeed because we're talking about all these icons and how you achieve all these things the push your luck is the core mechanic of this game with essentially within this game there is no hand limit is there really no and at the start of a round all players will play cards from their hand uh, face up on the table in front of them and they can go for as long as they so wish however there are we'll say nighttime animals i think is probably the best way they're, they're, they're meant to be like secluded animals you know loners yeah who like to be loners that have a certain iconography on them and you can have up to two of these with no adverse effects but the second you put down a third one of these iconographies you have to stop straight away that's you done you've essentially gone bust yeah now going bust isn't terrible in this game really because if you don't go bust you get two actions whereas if you go bust you're just limited to one so you'll always have an action to do on your your turn but it's quite easy to go bust it is quite easy to go bust and i'm going to respectfully disagree with you as every time i have gone bust it has been really painful to not have that second action but i've usually gone bust because i really need to push my luck it's yeah. like come on i need certain amount of this icon and i've gone bust yeah damn it yeah exactly you just get to that point it's like, oh oh my god there's my second one. Oh, i really need another another yeah. i don't know i i need another sunshine so that i can buy a higher costed card from here or i need another sapling so that i can buy that really good tree that's going to help me or oh but if i get one more sunshine i can buy that one that's got the lotus flower on it and that kind of thing and then you you do it and then you go oh no yeah i pushed it too far i risked it for the cho- you know, the theoretical chocolate biscuit and it turned out just to be a plain standard digestive yeah how disappointing and there are ways to mitigate this you've got the fragment tiles or as i like to call them the banana skins yeah for some weird reason i always refer to them as like fracture yeah t- 
tiles, you know, tokens or whatever called. But yeah, they look like banana skins. The yep. official one is fragments. I call them fracture. Some people call them crosses. Yeah. Whatever. They're so, negating yeah. tokens. So you have, you can, if you've drawn that third card with that symbol on, you can spend one of these tokens to discard that card and then keep drawing. Correct, yes. Um, and there are also cards that you can buy that have a, it's like the opposite symbol. Yeah, it's, it's like I said, if we're referring to things as like day and night, you've got the nighttime animals. And if you've already drawn a daytime animal with this particular, you know, the shining light symbol, shall we say, if you've already got one of them in there, that negates one of those dark night animals. Yeah. The problem is, and I'm sure you noticed it as well, is like you kind of want those dark night animals in your deck because they tend to be the more the powerful. powerful. Yeah, that's the trade-off for them pushing you towards mm. the bust is like they have the higher values yeah. on them. So you could argue, it's like, yeah, you when you're buying cards, just buy ones that don't have that logo on, but then you are limiting yourself yeah. to cards that aren't quite as powerful while, you know, as we said, the little Jimmy is over there and he's buying those powerful cards and risking it. Yeah, I was going to say there's, uh, to, for the context, it's like the ones that don't have the symbol or might have one or two different icons mm. on it at valued at one or two. So maybe one sapling and one sun. Mm. Whereas those dark ones are like... They might have, have they might have a wind, which is a movement action. They might have a sun. They might have a water. They might have a lotus on it. They might have something of everything. Like one of the ones that I had, it had water, sapling, sun, and movement all mm. valued at two. That's yeah. a really good card. It is, yeah. That ideally I want to draw at the beginning of my push your luck. So mm. it's like, it's in there and it's the first one. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, like I said, because it's it's actually set at three, it's not that difficult to get a decent run of cards yeah. with decent amounts of things, which gives you a, a, a nice amount of variation as to what you can do on your turn. When, when you like push your luck games like I do, I, I've, I do have a soft spot for push your luck games. And this one is one of the easiest to grasp and teach. And it's probably one of the most fun. Yep. If I'm honest, because like you said, you like, oh, I really want to do this and I really, really need that because if I get that, technically on the next round I could win. Yep. Real, real push your luck stuff in in the game. And it's it's amazing. I love yep. it. It's it's great. Uh, should we talk about the movement? That's the one bit I think we haven't covered. Yeah. Um so yeah, the final sort of thing that you can do. So to, to break down the cards, you've got the sunshine it's it's like a sun yep. on the cards. That is to that's your money for the game. That's to purchase new cards. You've got the sapling, which is to purchase the tree tiles that we've been talking about. Yep. Which, to cover that as well, those each of those tiles has additional bonuses to them when they're in your forest. Yep. And that your board has bonuses on it. That's your tile placement. Yep, exactly. Um, aspect of the game. You've got your lotus iconography on the cards, which is usually in the bottom left-hand corner. And then finally, you have the wind icon. Now, the wind icon, as I said, is, a, is about movement. And that's because there is a small board that all of your player characters will be on and you can move around in there and those wherever you land gives you additional bonuses and stuff like that. It's a circle, you move clockwise. Exactly. However, yes. the added bonus of this, and this is where the player interaction really comes into it for this game, you cannot land on the same spot as someone else, which means you immediately leapfrog them. If you leapfrog them, you then get to take one of their, I suppose it's starting tokens, isn't it? Yeah. Um, which could be a lotus flower, it could be a tree, and it could be a fire. Yep. So if you happen to be on, say, let's say, 11 fire tokens... It's actually worth your while going, well, 
there's no more fire for me to put out. I can't really... Oh, hang on a minute. I've got a movement of two. James is two in front of me, which means I can move, which means I'll leapfrog him and I will take that fire token, which means I've now just met yep. a victory condition. The downside to that is everyone has to have an equal amount of turns. Yeah. So if you happen to be the first player on that round, that means everyone else has got a chance to try and essentially jump you again. Yeah, and steal it back. To try and steal it back, which will stop you from achieving that that victory condition. So, I mean, how do you like that? Do, uh, do you I, think that that's a, a necessary thing for the game? I like it because it forces you to keep one, one eye on that board. Like the last game we played, for example, where I was constantly aware that Dave mm-hmm. was trying to steal my tokens. Oh, yes. And it's like, oh, I must stay yeah. <laughs> But one thing I would say with that board is it's quite good because I find at the start of the game, people just don't move. However, as soon as one person moves, yeah, it is, everyone is moving. Yeah, because you're going to start the leapfrog because well yeah because you're trying to get to 12 and it's like if you leapfrog all four players and i i've got to be honest i like to be that person who moves first it's just like right and we're off out yeah, the gates. here we go <laughs> um i mean to me that board is kind of there are bonuses the game, yeah that you get you, every square has has a yeah icon it, attached even to gives it. you an additional buy action it gives you another tree action it gives you another water action and i think most of them is all about gaining those fracture i mean yeah there tokens isn't it there is a strategic element to it as well because it's also one of the only ways you could do an action twice yes so for example if i've already done a buy action done a buy action bought some cards Mm mm-hmm I can move, and if my movement will land me on the buy action thing, I can then buy more cards. Correct. And it is the only way. Or I can, if I land on the sapling, I can buy a second tree if I've already bought one. I would definitely say for for the tree side of things, that's definitely a a huge bonus because, you know, when you're buying cards, you can buy multiple cards up to your value that you've actually got. However, when you're buying trees... You can only buy one. It's one. One tree. However, if if you do that as your first action, and then your second action is to move and you happen to land on the sapling action you then get to buy a second tree in that turn and that's huge if you're going for that particular objective and uh, there is a tiebreak condition as well if multiple people hit the victory condition indeed yes and that's a fun one yes because it really changes things up doesn't it yeah basically all the tokens that you have isn't it so all your fire tokens all your tree tokens all your stuff like that uh, three victory tokens you you basically count them all up and it's highest value wins exactly i mean that's the game to be honest there's not really much else to say but it's a very very simple game but it's so much fun it really does it's addictive is what it is it is it's a very addictive game there's a reason we've been playing this a lot since we got this and i purchased this for my partner (laughs) and we've played it more than than they have so i mean that should give you a rough idea of how we feel about this game if i was going to pick something that i think is a bit of an eagle and and i'm interested to see your reaction to this james because i know that this is something i taught on the first play the niggle to start with is that the game doesn't include any kind of game reference for any of the players you know we've got cards in the game it would have been nice to have a, a, a reference because the game uses symbology there's no text on the cards whatsoever which i really like to start with i will just 
put that out there. I love the fact that it's completely symbolic. So with, you know, barring the rule book, this game is completely language independent. Mm. Uh, you don't have to, you know, as I said, it's great for families of all ages because children don't need to be able to read. But this also leads on to the little niggle I have with the gameplay. And that is because there's no instant reference for people as to what they can do on their turns or what symbol, you know, what the symbols actually mean. You occasionally get questions about what the symbols mean. But the key one for me is what can I do on my turn? Everything is normally in front of you. So, well, I know I can buy cards. I know I can move the trees. I know I can I can do this. What's the one thing that you can do on your turn that is not replicated anywhere other than when you're reading the rule book the first time? And that is to spend an action to take a fracture token. You can actually take that as an action. Just take the token. How many times would that have changed things in games? And did you even remember that that's something that you could do? Yep. Exactly. Whereas if you had a reference card, do you think that you would at least remember that that is a possibility yep. that you could have done? Like if you knew you were gearing up for your last turn, but there was a risk that you could draw three of those uh, Dark Knight secluded animals, yep. would you spend your last action in the previous turn just to take one of those just so that you could go, do you know what? Negate that and let's keep going. Yep. Possibly. Uh, but knowing my luck, the very next card I drew would be one. Oh yeah, more than likely, yeah. <laughs> I feel yeah, the game I, needs I, a game reference yeah. card. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Yeah, because I mean, even if it didn't have the game's reference cards, it needed to have a quick reference on the back of the rule book, for example, yeah. which it doesn't have. I mean, for, for a game that's got a lot of card-based stuff in it, it's yeah, a reference card for each player. It's just literally what can I, what are my two actions? Yeah, exactly. Um, so again, that, I mean, that genuinely is a minor, minor niggle. I can't pick too much into that but I do I do feel a couple of reference cards would have been better especially for the less experienced players mm. uh, forgetful players like myself because I'm again I'm I hold my hands over. I forget about it all the time yep it's only when I sat down to read my you know to write my notes for this that it actually popped back in my head that oh yeah you, you can do that so just wanted to mention that but yeah other than that James anything about the gameplay that you really want to talk about I think we've covered it pretty much in depth. I think we have. Like I said, it's a very simple game to to really cover, but I like it. Mm. I like the gameplay. So we like the components. We like the gameplay. James, I think we might be leading to uh, some really interesting final thoughts. So Indeed. My question to you, what are your final thoughts? Who would you recommend the game for? I would recommend this game to literally everyone. Nice. I, you summed it up when you said, yeah, it's a great gateway, great family game, great for more advanced people. You can use it as a warm-up game. You could use it as a main event. I wouldn't necessarily say it's a cooldown game. No, probably not a cooldown. I mean, I, I suppose it depends on how heavy the game you've played before is. And more for the fact that I like my cooldown games to be nice and relaxed, and it's like, I think it's the one aspect where the competitive nature of this game might be a little bit... I don't like games that have that competitive edge to them as a cooldown. It's like, no, this is, we're chilling out now. This is just nice, relaxed. Yeah. So I wouldn't slot it in the cooldown section, but it works great as a warm-up, and it it does work as a main event. Yeah. How do you feel about the theme of it? I'll be honest, when I was told about it, I was a bit like, yeah. Very, very indifferent. Yeah, having seen it, I really like it. Yeah, yeah I mean, for me, the this game is genuinely the latest game to insert itself into my personal, I didn't expect this game to be that good club. You know, I didn't expect to like it. I didn't expect it to be all that good. When I first saw it, I was like, oh, it looks a bit questionable, but do you know what? Yeah, I'll play it. I'm, I'm up for a game. I loved it. Yeah. Absolutely loved it. As I said, my, my partner loved it as well. So really, really 
good. Nice and simple. Very, very quick gameplay. Almost no downtime whatsoever. Yes. Analysis paralysis in this game is almost non-existent because the only decision you really have to make is, do I continue to push this? Because by that point, you will already know what you want to spend your resources on. So where where is the analysis paralysis? It's in the push your luck. So you're talking seconds of analysis paralysis. I love the multiple avenues to victory. I always like that in the game because yep. it really adds variety to the gameplay and the game styles. I think they've blended the game mechanics exceptionally well. And I mean, I can't get over it. this game is it's twenty five pounds. Yeah, and in some places you can get it cheaper than that. That was the average price that I was able to find this for today when I was looking so I mean it's definitely worth more than what I paid for it I think it's worth more than its RRP and I have to just say well done to Ludonaut to be completely honest this is a crackingly good game and great value for money yeah I'd echo most of what you just said there it's um I think I first saw this being played by um the guys at Board Stupid on a Monday and I will admit that when I saw them playing it I wasn't that I was just sort of like well what are they playing board game yeah sort of yeah. And then having sat down and played it, it's like, oh, this game really, really good. Yeah, exactly. Um, and 25 quid is an absolute steal for this. Yeah. I, I, again, I would recommend this to literally anyone. If you've got, I mean, I've spoken to a few people that have had kids of the age of six playing this game. It's it's really, really good. 10 plus on the box, you can definitely go lower. I, I, I really do think you could. Where, where do I rate this one, James? I mean, I'm really, really stuck for this, but I think... When I take into everything, my Meeple rating for this is the game is really well balanced. It's so well thought out. The components are great. The gameplay is great. There's plenty of replayability in this. It's addictive as all out hell. I'm going to go 8.5. 8.5. I'm going 8.5 out of You're 10. Going 8.5. Uh, yeah, it's it's a brilliant game. The blend of mechanics is just seamless. I like the multiple avenues to victory, as you said. All the components are great. I'm going to go for a 9. Ooh, he's gone higher. Very, very good. I mean, that's that's impressive. You know, we're... We're talking cheap game here, James, and and we're both really high there. So this is in our... It's got to be in our sort of highly recommended... I mean, 8.5, that is in my silver. That's my silver category Mm. of game. So silver stamp of approval for me, and I'm guessing you've gone for gold. Very, very nice. Very nice indeed. Well, guys, I would love to know if any of you have played Living Forest and what you thought about it. How, you know, do your thoughts and opinions echo our own or are they completely the polar opposite? I also want to know whether you think that this game is worthy of that coveted Spieldesjahr award it's a very interesting one i think the game is fantastic i would recommend it to anyone but anyway i think we hand over to the man in the new shed let's do it tell me what i'm spending my money on this week please paul ryan look we gotta get this week's news recorded okay yeah we'll check games edition are about to go live with starship captains you know they're playing through over at gen con Yes, yes, that's the game we played at UK Games Expo this year, that one. I know, Mr. Hofgard, the designer, was great, wasn't he? And guess what? He liked my comment on Facebook earlier. You think I should send him a friend request? Should I? Well, okay, I may well do. But first, we've got to get this done. Yeah, well, I know, as of recording, Gen Con is still underway, but we've got some nice little tidbits for our listeners, haven't we? 
What are you giggling for? <coughs> Tidbits. <coughs> you are so immature, you know that? It's not funny. Just push that button, would you? <coughs> Luke Laurie, who has designed games such as the Manhattan Project for Minion Games, Cryo for Z-Man Games, and a recent favourite amongst our groups, Dwellings of Eldervale for Breaking Games, is at Gen Con demoing his latest game and the spiritual successor to Dwellings of Eldervale, and that is Andromeda's Edge. In Andromeda's Edge, you play a desperate faction that is fleeing a tyrannical power known as Unity. You travel to the furthest reaches of the galaxy where amongst the many nebulas you find there, you discover a precursor civilization and its technologies. Using those technologies, you can craft modular ships, customize your starbase and construct developments on planets. Andromeda's Edge boasts a unique blend of worker placement and engine building, sending your workers, or in this case fully customizable ships, out into the edges of the galaxy to perform actions, before recalling the fleet to set off your base's engine building modular tableau to produce materials, energy and victory points. Fights can and will take place because this edge of the galaxy is not empty, and contains various dangerous extragalactic raiders looking for easy pickings. Battles use a quick and exciting dice mechanic with rewards for winners, but with a variety of ways to mitigate or take advantage of battle losses. As the game progresses, you will build a new civilization by constructing developments on planets, observatories, factories, finance centers, cities and obelisks. You'll advance on several tracks, portrayed as characters moving through exotic science fiction environments. You'll trigger events that will score different tracks. The game ends when any player has reached the end game scoring threshold, and then players total up a variety of scoring attributes. Andromeda's Edge will be heading to Game Found in the not too distant future. There is a pretty bare preview page already up, where you can enter your email address to be notified when it does go live or just stay tuned here at the Meeple Minded and we'll give you a shout when it does. Something of a big surprise, which was kept incredibly secret until Gen Con opened its doors, which was an expansion to the well-received game Ark Nova from Fjordland Spiel and Capstone Games. The expansion, released at Gen Con and apparently making their way to retailers very soon, is the Ark Nova Zoo Map Pack 1 with the emphasis being in the first instance on the one, we should be seeing more coming in the future. For those who haven't heard of Ark Nova, in Ark Nova you get to plan and design a modern, scientifically managed zoo aiming to own the most successful zoological establishment by building enclosures to accommodate animals and supporting conservation projects all over the world with specialists and unique buildings which will help you to achieve this with over 255 cards within the game comprising animals, specialists, enclosures and projects. The base game also comes with 8 different maps to build your new park on. Which brings us back to Ark Nova Zoo Pack 1, which features map 9 and 10. Map 9 is known as the Geographical Zoo. 
The map features five colour-coded zones representing the five different continents, where you'll be placing a cube of your colour to start the game. So by placing an animal specific to that continent into an enclosure that covers even just one hex of its matching zone, you're able to take the cube from that area and gain a bonus, from extra tickets, money and card resets, but gain all five and receive a well-earned conservation point. Map 10 has been named the Rescue Station. This map is seen as maybe the easier of the two maps to work with. The map itself, which has a notable lack of unbuildable hexes, features three digging sites. By covering these sites with enclosures, you'll be tucking cards in above your player board. Doing this gains you all the top tag rewards as though the animal were actually within your park, helping you with any prerequisite icons for further animal placements, but without the ability to use any of the text-based rewards from the cards like gaining extra tickets, etc. No price as yet, although a few to pick up some at Gen Con have already found their way onto a famous auction site with probably a hefty markup. So stay tuned or get hold of your local FLGS and show your interest. Spotted in the wild, as they say, at Gen Con, over at the Meeple Source booth was the upcoming big box storage solution for Wingspan, which will hold the game and all current and future expansions, and itself will be shipped with the upcoming Asia expansion. The storage solution is simply going by the name The Nesting Box. The Nesting Box will be a super sturdy, dual-layered and individually numbered box. The top layer will hold 5 neoprene mats laid flat along with 10 player boards, the rules and goal map. Underneath this will be the setup tray with lid, the food and egg trays, dice tray, card tray and room for the bird feeder. And the bottom of the box will have a modular space for the bird trays, plastic containers and any third party accessories you may have pimped your game out with. It also features card dividers for separating the expansion decks, another bird feeder tower and of course the new Asia Wingspan expansion. And before you ask, yes it will indeed fit sleeved cards. Release of the nesting box is set for late this year, a few weeks after pre-orders go live on the website. This too will be when we will find out how much the nesting box is going to set us back. And over to crowdfunding now. First up is Fishing Lessons by Scott Arms and Button Shy Games as part of their Simply Solo series. It's a solo game, that's it, one player, it takes 15 minutes, ages 12 years and over, and ends on Saturday, August the 13th. It's been a year since Leland Williams passed on. A year later, his family remembers his humour, warmth and especially his love of fishing. You play a member of his family going out on a solo fishing trip with a specific sporting goal in mind. You'll recall lessons and memories from Leyland, and if you piece together the lessons in just the right order, you'll have a great day on the lake. In fishing lessons, you'll play through a series of rounds representing the course of your day. At the start of the game, you'll pick a family member, each with their own unique goal. During each round, you'll recall a new lesson, adding it to your list of steps that you'll then run through in order. Lessons are used to move your character's boat along the row of lake cards or to flip lake cards to hide or reveal the fish you need to complete your character's goal. Meet the goal at the right time based on your chosen difficulty level to win the game. Now you can grab a print and play of the game for just £3 or $3. 
A physical copy of the game will set you back £10 or $12. This includes the Fishing Lessons Family Friends expansion. Or get the game, Family Friends and Fabled Fish expansions up your pledge to £12 or $14. Next up is Guns or Treasure by Castillo Games. It's for two to six players, nine with an expansion. Gonna take just 15 minutes to play. It's for eight years and over and ends Friday, September the 2nd. Guns or Treasure is a game for two to six players, aged eight plus and plays in 10 to 15 minutes, where you plunge into a world of colorful pirate captains bluffing and battling their way to capture the most loot. Guns or Treasure is a speedy game of buccaneering and bluffing. It has a beautiful shipbuilding aesthetic, excellent replayability and a wide demographic appeal. Throw it in a purse to entertain your kids or carry it in your pocket to add some rowdy fun down the pub. Each player secretly builds their ships by laying down 10 cards. Cards add guns, treasure or bombs to your ship. The players then take turns marauding other players' ships or retreating to safety. Marauding is the key to victory since a successful attack means you score the treasure from both ships, but beware their ships may be well equipped with guns or rigged with a bomb. And then again the player with the most treasure wins the game. Grab the Cabin Boy Pledge for just £17 or $20, get the Parrots and Monkeys expansion, pushing the player count to 9 together with the base game at the first mate pledge level for £25 or $30. And lastly on crowdfunding is Tiny Robot Love Doctors by Eight Ways Games. It's for one to four players, 30 to 45 minutes to play, 14 years and over, ends on Saturday, September the 3rd. Get ready to work with your team of bite-sized dockbots to hack into patients' heart drive and zap away all the bad feels until only love remains. A challenging, cooperative puzzle game for one to four players with cute characters and quirky, positive vibes. Use shape cards and your spatial reasoning skills with DocBot's unique abilities to remove matching bad feels tiles. Love tiles are wild and monsters might cause problems if you play at one of the optional higher difficulties. Tiny Robot Love Doctors is perfect for the family game nights, parties and even therapeutic or educational gaming. And there is an optimised play for solo players. Pledge at £34 or $40 for a copy of the game, with an added bonus of foil embossed box and promo card for the first 500 backers. And we're heading on over to events. On Tuesday evenings, the Worthing board gamers congregate for their first game night of the week. The location of this is the Dice Worthing store from 7pm through to 10pm and just £3 cover charge. Food and drinks are available and the location of the store is 24 to 26 Portland Road, Worthing, BN11 1QN. Crawley Gaming Community head up Games Night at the Comic Shop in Crawley on Wednesday evenings, gathering from 6ish through till close at the Comic Shop, 42 High Street, Crawley, RH10 1BW. Food and drinks are available there, including some redonkulous milkshakes, £3 per evening there. And we're going to start calling it Take Your Pick Thursdays as we see three groups running. 
Worthing board gamers are gathering over at the Ardington Hotel in Worthing from 7pm. Addresses Ardington Hotel, Steen Gardens, Worthing, BN11 3DZ. You also have Lewis Board Game Club at the Trinity Gaming Cafe, Arbinger Place, Lewis, BN7 2QA from 7pm through to 11pm. And Burgess Hills Dyson Drinks host their Thursday evening socials at 79 to 81 Church Walk, Burgess Hill RH159BQ. Entry is just £5 for the evening there. Crawley Gaming Club are always here to help you with those Monday blues, running from 6pm over at the Tilgate Community Centre, Shackleton Road, Crawley, RH105DF. Just £3 per person over there with drinks and snacks to purchase. Also remember that both Horsham Gamers and indeed Board Games at the Barn down in Brighton offer game nights every couple of weeks or so, so head on over to their socials to keep up to date with their upcoming dates. Moving on to game days, upcoming game days for the Diary are Dungeon Crawley over in Langley Green in Crawley on the 21st of August, followed by myself and Mid-Sussex Meeples making our return after our holidays on Sunday the 11th of September here at Cypress Hall, Burgess Hill. Right, we're all done here. You found the Twitch stream yet? Oh good, nice. Right, say goodbye to everyone, then go and get the popcorn. And it's a goodbye from me. Keep safe, meeples. Keep those dice rolling, the cards shuffling, and we'll be right here for you next week. Thank you very much for that, Paul. And thank you guys for joining us once again for another game highlight episode. This time we're talking about Living Forest from Ludenor. And this really was a game that I did not think was going to be as good as it was. I definitely did not think I was going to be giving this an 8.5 and really, really happy to see that you enjoyed it so much that you went for a 9, James. You've said yourself, you didn't really look all that impressed when we first saw it. Yep. I'd already played it when you first saw all the guys aboard Stupid playing this, and I know that they really enjoy this game as well. So, yeah, I think this reinforces what I've tried and practice as well as preach when it comes to board gaming, and that is just because it doesn't take your interest when you walk past, sit down and play it. Yes. Because it might surprise you. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, you know, one of my other highest rated games was Wingspan, and that was another game that I just oh, looked yeah. at the theme and went, I am not interested in that at all. Oh, no, I remember the first time you broke that out when me you and ed played it at the comic shop and it was just sort of like what's this yeah wrinkling my nose at it how wrong i was well yeah well there we go that is another episode done and dusted it's time for us to head off we're gonna try and get some sleep i think because we're both we're both pretty tired Uh, now that it's a little bit cooler we're able to get a bit more sleep yep which is great but yes until next week my name has been jason and i've been james and you've been listening to the meeple mining podcast join us next week for more tabletop gaming goodness ta-ta goodbye